BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Robertson trying to slam the door. Sit up. Right near home plate. Alvarez backpedaling makes the catch and the ball game is over David Robertson gets the final six outs for the save big hit for Francisco Alvarez who finally catches the final out and the Mets salvage a game from the series as they split the doubleheader with the Braves winning the nightcap five to three It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, May the 1st, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, talkingmetsnog. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as risingapple.com. Well, we always like to make history here on the Talking Mets podcast. Very rarely are you going to make history on a podcast, on a show that we do, this little humble show that we do. But I think we made history this weekend because I don't remember in the history of the Talking Mets podcast ever a show getting rained out. No, there was no flood here in the studio, nothing like that. But just because basically you had your typical I mean, if you wanted a synopsis of what April's all about, I mean, look at the weather this weekend. I mean, the, the Mets basically, the fact that they were able to make three of these four games and get them in, really they got in two and a half because the Friday game was only a five-inning game. But um, talking about this podcast rained out on Sunday. We're here on a Monday. And truthfully, with the way that the series was playing out with the wraparound game on Monday, a one o'clock start, it was probably best to kind of come to you when the Braves series was complete. A lot of stuff to talk about. This is going to be more of a State of the Union show. No breaks. We're going to go straight. And probably part and parcel to the whole fact that we're not on a regular Sunday. Um, Right before the Mets take a brief detour to Detroit. And let me tell you something before they come back home. You thought the weather was bad in New York this weekend? Why don't you go on the weather app and check out what Detroit's got in store for the Mets? You might as well be playing on December 25th Christmas with some of the the weather they got in store in Detroit. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, what form of baseball we'll be watching over the next few days. 
But um, a lot to talk about in this short time, in this short show. A lot of NBA references. So I'm just going to let you know, NBA references abound in this show. Be prepared. Uh, We're going to talk about the long game. I think it's really important, especially because I think a lot of you saw this weekend there's a gap between the Mets and the Braves. I'll talk about the long game and whether or not you have to worry about that gap with the Braves. The Mets offense. Is the Mets offense like an NBA team? I'll get into that. And I just mentioned Detroit and the Mets going into Detroit with that horrible weather that they're facing. But these games are bigger than you think, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Wish the weather was a little bit better, but I'll tell you why. But first, I have exciting news to share with you and for all Mets fans to listen to the show. We have an awesome limited-time promo for the new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose. All you have to do is use our code TALKINGMETS. You know that, TALKINGMETS, no G, at sign up to redeem. Using our code TALKINGMETS, no G, of course, is a great way to support this show. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with the code TALKINGMETS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 and over, and physically present in New York. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 8778-HOPE-NY. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. So, got to get that out of the way. A little new promo for the show. Hope you guys don't mind. Hey, look. Want to have some fun? Go to DraftKings. Just be responsible with it. So, now let's get to the meat and potatoes of the program here. So, we got a chance to get our sponsor out of the way. I guess you could call it the Talking Mets Noah's Arcade. If you're a 90s movie fan, you'll get that reference. I don't have to tell that to some of you. Maybe some of you I do. But anyway, uh, so, you know, going into this weekend after the National Series, seeing how, you know, the Mets really should have been swept. They pitched poorly in the one game they won. They didn't hit a heck of a lot. The Braves coming in, you know, a formidable opponent at 117-win historic pace to steal the division last year. They look every bit as good, even though they have some of their own issues. And let's face it, the Mets were not prepared to play the Braves on so many levels this weekend. That's why it was great that two of the games got rained out. You wound up making up one, and you minimized some of the damage because you weren't sure how they were going to go with their rotation. And let's face it, they were a hair away from maybe sweeping today's doubleheader and making this a not-so-bad weekend. Uh, and, you know, maybe if Buck Showalter had played that fifth inning more like the ninth inning, and that's a tough one on Friday with the weather. Who knows? Um, but I think it's important as we look at this Mets team and as we start to set up the rest of the, you know, first half of the year, really. First, just a week ago or so, we were talking about, uh, do the Mets make sense? You know, we are talking to Pat Ragazzo with Sports Illustrated. And I said, you know, there's still a feel of this team that, you know, the pitching's not very good. They're overusing the bullpen. The offense, to a certain degree, was being spearheaded by a leadoff hitter playing like Ricky Henderson and Brandon Nimmo and a slugger hitting like Barry Bonds and Pete Alonso. And everybody else was trying to find themselves. And ultimately, numbers start to add up. And what you're supposed to be you kind of become in baseball. You know, you might have some outliers and streaks and you may play over your head or, or, you know, beat the house, so to speak. But eventually, everything regresses to the mean. 
It's math, let's face it. And the Mets started to regress to the mean this past week. And you go into, you know, this short road trip, and then they come back home at 16 and 13, three games behind the Braves. And we had talked about going into the beginning of the season, and I've said this, that this early phase, which we call the getting-to-know-you phase, was going to be a little bit rocky. You had no Verlander. You were trying to figure out uh, you know, some guys in the rotation. No Diaz. You were trying to figure out the bullpen. And then obviously with everybody scattered about with the WBC, you didn't know how ready some of these hitters were for for action. I think there's a synergy with it's not just you going in a batting cage and hitting as an individual. I think the lineup has to have a synergy. I think there has to be uh, a component of of routine. And I think the WBC threw that routine off. Add in a couple of veterans in Escobar third base and then behind the plate with Narvaez and Nito, and then you have this wonder kid, Francisco Alvarez, and now you're integrating the, those kids, Beatty and Alvarez, into the into the offense, and you got yourself somewhat of an extended spring training situation. Now, Beatty has started to hit. Alvarez maybe a little bit. Maybe there's some good signs today. And, and overall, what you come out with is a Mets team that's going to need some time to find themselves. And really, and if you've been paying attention to the Mets, even back to last year with Buck Showalter, it's always about the long game. You know, there was so many times last year people get frustrated with him bringing in Joely Rodriguez or another reliever that wasn't their A relievers in a game where you know they were still in it, but perhaps a better reliever could have kept the score closer. But Buck didn't want to burn out his bullpen, so what did he do? He brought in that reliever. Maybe they gave up a run. Mets wind up coming back but falling a little short. And you're like, if they only had used X reliever, well, what he's trying to do is keep the bullpen fresh for the long game. And I think right now the Mets as a team. The way you're going to have to look at them is the long game. And I'll talk about the NBA playoffs. Lakers advancing. They were an eight seed. Golden State Warriors, a six seed advancing. Miami Heat playing the Knicks. They're a seven seed. These are all veteran-type teams. Now, granted, they've, at least in the case of the Lakers and the, the Warriors, have won championships. The Mets have not. But as older teams, as teams that had a little bit more experience, they played the long game throughout the year to get into the postseason to get in the postseason as healthy and as in the best shape possible. I mean, with the Lakers, there was some unfortunate injuries to LeBron, Anthony Davis, and I don't want to make this an NBA show, but ultimately, you needed them healthy and heading in the right direction at the right time of the year. And I think the Mets are very similar. And I think in a sense, the Mets need to figure this thing out a little bit more because right now, you have... The two kids you're trying to incorporate into the offense, like I said, you got to figure out, are they keepers? I mean, Beatty looks like it. Alvarez, we're not so sure yet. Um, You're trying to figure out this bullpen, which now got even trickier because one of your A relievers and Rayleigh is down. You don't know how serious he is. Um, You you got a bunch of starters barely going five innings, so you're burning out the Curtises and the Negosics, you know, guys of that ilk that are going to go every night. And let's face it, when there is a close game, because the offense really hasn't totally clicked yet, you're going to have to go to the Adovino and Robertson and guys like that, you know, Drew Drew, uh, Drew Smith, guys like that probably more often because you're not bringing in some of your B relievers in a 7-1 to type of game. And you need to win those games. And you saw that today, the way the Buck managed the bullpen. He had Robertson go out there and pitch to innings because he really wanted that game heading out into, the, into uh, the, the short road trip. So with the Mets, 
you really have to look at this in the long game. And I think if you remember last year, you remember how special the 100 win season was and how in some cases it might be the small minority on Twitter drove everybody nuts throughout the summer. Every one or two game losing streak, it was the end of the world. Well, let me warn you. I think you're going to have, you know, not that they're going to lose seven of eight frequently, but I don't think you're going to have, or nor did I believe going this season, you had a 100-win team. I thought it was a team that might be able to win 95 games, but I also said, and I said this a year ago, and we've talked about this, that a team of this age, the team with this amount of veterans, and I know there's a little bit more youth on the offensive side, but on the pitching side, smelled to me like a 91-92 win team, a team that'll make the playoffs, probably not win the division, and needs to be intact and set up for a postseason series. Is it a regular season team or a postseason team? And I know what people sometimes say is, well, aren't those the same things? Well, not always. Mets, I felt last year, started, put the foot on the gas day one opening day and didn't really take it off. Maybe to a certain degree, they ran out of gas as they got into the Atlanta and then the San Diego series. Now can they get everybody together and pace themselves while they're trying to build up some members of the team that are new? I mean, you've got a third baseman that's going to be going around the league pretty much for the first time, and he's going to have to make adjustments. You have a catcher that has yet to really adjust to the offensive game at the big league level, but I'll tell you what, and i got to give him credit, and Buck actually talked about it in the post game. He's actually not a bad catcher. I've been impressed with the framing. You can see him actively trying to frame there, you know, watching him on TV. Uh, he's gotten a little bit better at blocking pitches. Uh, he, he doesn't look bad at all. And and that was what was keeping him down in the minor leagues, which, by the way, maybe that's why he's better, because they kept him down in the minor leagues when you're all calling, for, calling him to be up right away, or even last year. So you start to look at that, and then you add in the component that you have Scherzer, and Verlander, basically this week, going into, and unfortunately they're going to this cold Detroit weather, um, making their, I, I call it almost like their season debut. I know that Scherzer's pitched already, but he started, and then he got pushed back, and then he got suspended. So I feel like he's almost had to re-ramp up and take a step back. And he talked about taking a step back and healing a little bit during his suspension. And Verlander, who we barely have gotten a chance to know, these are really, really big games for them. And, I, and maybe we have to dial that back with, it looks like it could be almost like 38 to 40 degrees in Detroit the next couple of days with rain. Not exactly an ideal situation for two guys who are coming off some aches and pains. So maybe we dial back the expectations. You get five innings out of them, we'll see. It's not going get, to get any easier for the bullpen. Let's put it that way. But when you start to see where the Mets season is almost now starting to move in a direction where you wanted this roster to be. You wanted this to be a roster that has a rotation that's anchored by the two 40-year-old pitchers. You're going to live and die with those two guys. Let's, let's, you've, you've seen the last 30 days. If Scherzer and Verlander are not, and we talked a little bit about this at the end of the show last week, if Scherzer and Verlander cannot be, I'm not saying vintage Scherzer and vintage Verlander, pointing towards that with a little bit or a slight regression being that variability that we can allow, this season's going nowhere. You're not winning a division or even making the playoffs with your number one starter being Kodai Senga and with a bunch of four or five inning relievers and trying to piecemeal your bullpen together like they've done. What you saw in April is a recipe for a team that 
will either be 500 or below, and certainly a team that could be disappointing. You cannot win with the kind of pitching the Mets have gotten. Even with the closer performance by Robertson, with the good start by Adovino, with the promising start by uh, Drew Smith, you cannot win with that. And we all know that. And really, that's the difference. You know, everybody talks about the offense. But I'll tell you what. The offense, and we continue to see that, especially with Beatty and Alvarez starting to show some life, is averaging about 4.5, 4.5, 4.6 runs per game. Uh, I believe they'll probably wind up in that 4.7, 4.8. When Correo didn't become part of the equation, we knew that that 5, north of 5 offense that we were really excited about may not have, may not be as realistic. However, if Beatty and Alvarez start to play at a much higher level, uh, think about what you got at Escobar, even at, outside of September last year when you just break it across the season and how little you got offensively from the catching scenario. If Alvarez could catch the level that he's done, even if he doesn't give you the offense that his number one prospect status dictates, you know, that that's pretty exciting to think about. And, and it changes my mind about him not belonging in the big leagues. I still think he has to earn the position and he has to continue to work at it every day. And I think obviously there's a benefit to learning at the big league level and learning in an environment where you have a guy like Buck Showalter as your manager. But, you know, the Mets offense and and to an, and I go back to this NBA reference and I said I'd make some more NBA references earlier this season. And this is why it's so important to start to see some of these guys come into their own. The Mets almost were like an NBA team on offense that was spearheaded by one or two stars with a lot of component guys around them, many of which were not playing up to norm. So think about a team that is like one superstar, two superstars, and all these other guys around them. If the two superstars are neutralized, or the one superstar is neutralized, that being Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo, they don't hit. That's what you saw in the Washington series. But... If you start to have guys around them contributing, like Lindor, who's, you know, hasn't played all that well, starting to come around a little bit, uh, like Marte, like Vogelback, like Canna, uh, you know, McNeil starting to come around a little bit. Those guys don't do their part. Uh, you know, it's easy to key in on the two offensive players. Now, unlike the NBA, the defense can't key in on Alonzo and Nimmo, but they when they stop them, they can breathe a sigh of relief knowing – the other seven guys in the lineup probably aren't going to really hurt them. I'll take my chances. So as this offense comes together, and if Beatty and Alvarez add that kind of length, I mean, let's face it, those two guys are pivotal in potentially the Mets lineup having length. You know, you, you're going to assume at some point that Lindor is going to be Lindor. Can is going to come back to some version of who he's been because he's been like that every year of his career. Unless Marte's neck or his health is not there, you're going to probably going to see him come back to uh, a form. And if that doesn't happen, I mean, look, they're already talking about moving Mauricio down in the minor leagues around the diamond to add versatility. And you got Vientos hitting the heck out of the ball in AAA. He just doesn't have a position. So offense is where the promise is. But this week, as the Mets head into Detroit, the real test is, do they have any semblance of pitching? And the only way the, this cast of starters falls into place is if those two guys anchor one and two in the rotation. Because at that point, then you could live with, you know, Lucchese and McGill 
and Senga. They still don't have a number three. They still don't have what Chris Bassett provided last year. But Quintana started throwing. Maybe at some point this summer, he could come in late, slide in, be healthy, and be that veteran number three that normally you'd be looking to go out and acquire. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Maybe you give Senga some time. I mean, it looks like they're going to pitch him once a week now. They're really putting a lot of stock into helping Senga just adjust to the big leagues. He's only he's not even pitching Detroit. He's going to be pushed back, you know, almost over a week. Um, they're going to pitch him back when they come back home. Um, but, you know, maybe it allows Singa to be more of that back end of the rotation starter. And who knows? You know, Tyler McGill, if he could get some length and get into that third time around the order, you know, maybe he could be a number three. None of those guys profile as a hard number three, but they're good enough slotted in the back of the rotation when you have these two Hall of Famers at the front. And the beginning of whether or not these guys still have something starts in a cold, potentially rainy Detroit series. And we're going to be watching. And I think that this is huge. Now, I'm not ready to wave the white flag if Scherzer goes out, can't get a grip on the ball, is afraid to use rosin, and he lasts three innings, gives up three runs, and has to be taken out because he's on a pitch count coming back from the suspension. But the more that we see what we saw in the wild card game against San Diego. And the more that we've seen the lack of, uh, you know, control or the laboring that we've seen from Scherzer early in the year, the more times you see it, the more you start to think as the clock struck midnight here. And, you know, Verlander, who was a little shaky in the postseason, the more you see, until you start seeing him give you vintage Verlander, the more you have to wonder is, you know, the the Mets, you know, buy high. And and how does that, you know, play into the rest of the year? So with this Mets team, you really have to take a step back from the panic and also realize the real big part of this play in the long game. Here on May 1st, it's hard to see a scenario where the Mets win this division. And I know it's early to say that. They're three games out, and a lot could happen. But if the Braves, and if I'm the Braves here as I really look at it, the Braves go out, focus on themselves, focus on winning six out of every ten days, seven, you know, have those stretches with seven and three, eight and two. And I think because of the power they have in their lineup, and because, let's face it, their rotation is healthier, their rotation is more intact, They've got a bullpen that, quite honestly, 
look up and down that bullpen, except for Yates, they got guys who are low walk rates and high strikeout rates. That, to me, is a bullpen. That's what I want to see from the Mets. The Mets have some guys that are good like that, but when you look at the Mets' bullpen, I see a lot of, uh, you know, high walks, you know, 4.4, 3.6, 5.6, and, uh, you know, some decent strikeout rates, but not like the Braves. And, I mean, look, the Braves' offense has been together. Um, they're potent. They've played together for a while. They've won, uh, what, they're on five divisions in a row, four divisions in a row. I think they've won, what, 17, 18, what, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, five divisions in a row. Uh, you know, they just, they're just better. They're built for the regular season better. And to spend a lot of time chasing something that I have to question, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. Winning the division matters. Being a top seed matters. You want to give yourself the best probabilistic chance of going all the way. But a team like the Mets that has age, that has guys trying to figure things out, they're incorporating these rookies that have no big league resume. I don't think they're going to have the time to make up whatever deficit is going to be built throughout these first 60 games. I mean, I could see a scenario where, you know, heading into the end of May, you know, middle of June, Mets five, six, seven games out, which you could say, well, that's where the Braves were in June of last year. Uh, it's true. And, and I could understand that. But I think, again, when you have a team that's younger-ish together, has the bully offense that the Braves could have with the power that eliminates some of the variability when they play bad teams, and, and quite honestly has a starting pitching staff that right now is better. And even if you put Verlander and Scherzer up against those guys, I'm not sure that Freed and Strider are worse, even at the best of what these guys, of Scherzer and Verlander offer at this point in their careers. I'm not sure. Now, Strider, you might laugh, say, look what he did today against the Mets. And the Mets seem to, to play him well. Um, but I think that that's fair. And I think you're going to see a lot of times where Strider will go out and dominate against certain teams, and Scherzer might only give you five innings, and Verlander might only give you five innings. But ultimately, where you want these guys to be is when the bell rings in October, whether that be in a three-game wild card set or if somehow the Mets win the division and they are getting some rest and, and playing a five-game series before they get to the championship series. Uh, you want the Mets to be ready then, and they weren't this previous year that just ended. So I think that that's where we're at right now. Let's sit back and watch. I wish the weather was better and they were in a better environment than they were in, you know, going into Detroit because I'd like to see. I think it's going to be tough for Verlander and Scherzer. It's interesting that that's would the Mets consider moving, you know, maybe Verlander back a little bit? I don't think they have that luxury right now. They just quite simply don't have the pitching depth. And on the pitching note, when you start to look at Lucchese and McGill, they haven't done a poor job providing quality starts. They just can't go deep. I mean, I know Lucchese went deep his first start against the Giants, but that's an outlier. I mean, Lucchese is a five-inning guy, a two-times-around-the-order guy. McGill has really started to build himself into a two-times-around-the-order guy. You saw it again today. Give Buck credit. I know that you probably could have went to Drew Smith in that spot, and I think McGill was gassed, but I think Buck wanted to push McGill a little bit, see what he got, and he got burnt by the Rosario double. But they're not horrible. I mean, Buto didn't pitch well his last time against the Nats, but he 
you know, he shows some promise. I mean, the guy right now that really holds the key, if Verlander and Scherzer could fall into place, the guy right now is Senga. Because the Mets are giving him every opportunity to adjust to life in American baseball. They're pushing him once a week. I mean, he's continuing to show me the worst of what we feared about this guy with the command issues, with his inability to throw strikes, with his inability to go deep into games. But, you know, the Mets swear that he's where they expected him to be, and they're going to live and die with that. And ultimately, I guess if you have Quintana down the road, you could afford to use some of these early months as development. But again, Senga's developing. Beatty's developing. Alvarez is developing. Scherzer and Verlander are trying to get healthy. The bullpen's trying to be figured out. Now they got a piece down. They probably will need another piece. I mean, it's a bullpen that lost its hub when Diaz went down. That's a lot of things for a team to figure out and play at a high level against a team that won a championship a couple of years ago and has pretty much the same core and added a very good piece in Murphy. You saw that today behind the plate. You're asking a lot of this Mets team who has to figure this thing out and maybe might hover around uh, the 500 mark for periods. That doesn't mean they'll be there forever, and it doesn't mean you're going to be okay with them being there forever, but let's remember something. In a league that has three wild cards, you can mess around with this game. I mean, I used to say when there was like a wild card playing game, you could probably mess around for about 60 games. It used to be when, you know, before the wild card days, you know, the first 40 games are out. You want to mess around for about a month, month and a half, fine, but then get serious come May. Then you added the extra wild card. All right, you know, maybe you could play around until June. Now, you really don't have to start getting serious. I don't want to say serious, but really getting worried about a team until the all-star break. You got time. And ultimately, you want these guys to get right. And it's not an excuse, and it's not a rationalization, because just like in the NBA, I'm sure the Golden State Warriors would love to be a one seed. I'm sure the Lakers would love to be a one seed. I'm sure the Knicks would have preferred going into this postseason winning 60 games instead of being a five seed and have to win it on the road in the first round. But the best laid plans don't happen. Look at the Miami Heat. Struggled all year with injuries, figuring things out. Guys come into Madison Square Garden game one, boom, all of a sudden they're the best version of themselves. Not saying that's the blueprint that you want, but for the Mets, what the Miami Heat did, which they had to actually play to get into the playoffs, maybe what these guys have to do because by the time they figure it out, the gap in the division might be too wide and does it matter. Now, if I'm the Braves, you saw I wouldn't take this Mets team lightly because let's face it, Friday this Mets team looked dead. And I know with the, the two days there was rain, many of you are probably saying, just like I tweeted out, this team is not built right now to play the Braves on so many levels. Rain out the rest of the weekend, double-headed them to death in August when they come back into town, and we'll, Mets will take the chances then. Well, that Mother Nature didn't 100% cooperate, but after two days and Saturday and Sunday to contemplate this team, you didn't see a scenario where knowing that uh, Danny Reyes was going to pitch one of the two games in the doubleheader and McGill in the second. And Charlie Morton's a good pitcher. Had a bad year last year, but a good pitcher. 
you probably were saying, how the heck are the Mets even going to squeeze a game out? Well, not only did they do that, they came back in the game, and they nearly stole the first one when they pitched poorly against their best pitcher, arguably their best pitcher. You can make that argument. It could be Freed. It could be Morton, depending on how you look at it. So the Braves have to say, you know what? We should have swept. They're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. They're looking across the diamond at a team that beat them in the division. Uh, they beat in the division, and they stole the division away. And, you know, they probably aren't scared of them right now, but I wouldn't take them too lightly. And I'll tell you what, if the Braves don't put the Mets away over the next 60 days, because I think over the next 60 days between now and July 1st, or at least the next 30, the, Mets could, the Braves could put a sizable gap between them and the, and the Mets. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves go on a run that this three games goes to seven or eight games by the end of the month, by Memorial Day. And I don't think the Mets, as they're currently constituted, can go on the kind of run, especially because I don't know how I could take their back end of the rotation starters long range if they're going to consistently be able to give them six innings, two or three runs. And the bullpen being overworked, I think there's a lot of little things that are going to get in their way. They're going to make it hard for them to rip off runs like they may have done last year. Hence, not being able to do that probably will make it difficult to come back from a large deficit against the Braves in the division. But if the Braves let the Mets hang around and come all-star break, the Mets are three games behind, three, four games behind, then I think then you might have something. Because look at the schedule in August. You got them going down to Atlanta. You got them coming back to New York. You got the doubleheader. And by that time, your hope is that Verlander and Scherzer are back in the groove. Senga's figured out something. McGill and Lucchese, or whoever the hell is going to be in the back end of the rotation, is solidified in some kind of groove of who they they are, even if it's two times around the order. Maybe you got Quintana back. The offense doesn't resemble an NBA team where it's just Pete and Nimmo. Everybody's kind of playing into their uh, averages or what their average season should look like. And heck, who that who 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 knows? what Alvarez and Beatty could be. I mean, that's the exciting part. And I've been like, hey, let's slow the roll on Alvarez and Beatty. I've been like that since the start. And I still want to see more. I want to see them go around the league once. I know that's a little different now because you have you play every team once. But, you know, really encouraged by what I saw out of Beatty. And it goes to show you a team that can win or wants to win right now you know, has to give some time for development. That's the real problem with the Mets. See, the Braves' young players are finished products. Yeah, they have Vaughn and everything, and Michael Harris was able to come in and kind of figure his way uh, with that team. But Riley's developed. The Kuna's developed. Uh, Albies is developed. You know, Matt Olson is a veteran. You know, Murphy's a veteran. The Mets have two key components here that are developing. Similar to how the Braves were when Riley came up years ago and Acuna came up years ago, the Braves are ahead of them. And and right and even though the Mets have a, an older staff and some Hall of Famers and veterans, that's where they are right now. So the real message I have for you on this State of the Union, post-doubleheader, post-homestand, Mets heading out to Detroit is sit back, be patient, play the long game. You really, over the first 60-plus games of this year, and we're only 29, we're, not, we're about halfway through it, you can't get crazy. We'll check in June 1st. You know, heck, even if, you, if things aren't getting in the right direction by June 15th, then we'll have a different conversation. 
But the next 30 days, you can't get crazy because I think things are going to have to work themselves out. And they're going to look at what they're doing with Senga playing the long game once a week. I don't know how sustainable that is for the rotation throughout the year, but for now it is. So that's where we're at. So I hope you enjoyed this State of the Union Monday edition of the Talking Mets podcast. That's my message. Mets, Mets, a lot of NBA references for the Mets. Long game and a lot of excitement with Beatty and Alvarez. And really today, the second game of the doubleheader showed you that if these two guys could contribute in any way, shape, or form, the Mets lineup becomes very long and very scary, and who knows where that could take them. But I will tell you this, without the two big aces, I don't care how many runs Alvarez and Beatty help add to the Mets' runs per game average, without those two Hall of Famers, and it starts tomorrow night in Detroit, being somewhere near what you expected them to be at their age 40 season. Mets aren't going anywhere. So the next couple of days, these starts are the beginning of a very interesting part of the getting to know you phase. And as I said last week, who would have thought getting to know you with the Mets in 2023 included two Hall of Famers with a long resume? All right, that's it. That's all I have for you. Thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can try to have a podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can check me out on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back right on schedule. Hopefully no rain for the Talking Mets podcast next Sunday. Till then, take care, everybody. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.